Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor, Me, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. And even though we're not as big as Maiden, we're way bigger than Spinal Tap. Oh, they're doing a new Spinal Tap movie. Really? Yes. Yeah, supposed to be out uh, 2024, I think. Well, Hot Dog, we'll have to watch that and do uh, an episode on just Spinal Tap in general. Yeah. Hot Dog. That's what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And I know we're not as big as Spinal Tap, but that's a quote. Really? We're not as big as Iron Maiden, but I think we're way bigger than Spinal Tap, says guitarist and band co-founder Michael Weeketh, a man with a unique sense of humor. I guess we never suck so much that people said, we've had enough of these crappy Germans. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and and Weeke is, of course, still in and a founding member of the band Halloween. Ooh. Yeah. Band we talked about amazingly only once, and I'm not sure why. I just I don't know. Started putting notes together and never really found uh, found the hook for me. Okay, but I love them. I mean, it's obvious because I've talked about them several times. Oh yeah, parts of other episodes. Yeah, and even though this is the end of year finale, where we usually talk about Iron Maiden. We're going to talk about Halloween and Iron Maiden. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I wouldn't let you do this as the last episode of the year if we weren't talking about Maiden. Ha, let me, let me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) it's it's our theme. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, I was talking to Jody and and I, I I knew about this thing, and I'm like, hey, uh, do you have something ready for a uh, Halloween? You know, or for Halloween for uh, for New Year's or here, Jesus, um, <laughs> third time's a charm for our last episode, Iron Maiden. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. something I could probably do something, something, something. And I'm like, well, I know this thing that overlaps with Iron Maiden and Halloween. He's like, yeah, fuck it, I don't have to do anything then. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, it's not exactly what he said. You're supportive and not lazy, and you're okay with it. Yeah. And Dan, that episode of Halloween was April 26, 2019, episode 37. That was a while back. Yeah. Yeah, I should do another one soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get started, what are you drinking? Anything? In addition to the um, bourbon balls that I'm trying to finish off, <laughs> that have been in the refrigerator for a month, not down to the last three now. Um, All right, I am, and I'm so glad you gave me this back in August. <laughs> I'm having a can of Robinson's Trooper Premium British Beer. Well, that goes damn well with our episode. I've been saving it because you don't know how much I really, really, really wanted to drink this can of beer. Actually, I've got a pretty good idea because I've drank all mine. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I looked at my fridge trying to think, what goes well with this? Um, and, and I ended up, uh, I'll come back to Trooper in a second, but I, I've already started. So <laughs> I'm like, well, we're actually overlapping with Halloween, who are not crappy Germans. Uh, so I got one of my German beers. I'm drinking Vartersteiner's, uh, damn it, I even had Maximator Doppelbach. Oh, nice. Yeah, 8.5% sure malty, figgy, biscuity goodness. Ah. Anyway, how's nice. your trooper? Oh, it's excellent. Excellent. <laughs> That's That wasn't even a, it's good, it's a an actual real oh baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anything you want to get into or you want me to just start doing my things? Just start doing your things. All right. So the overlap between Halloween and Iron Maiden, uh-huh. uh, which which you know, sadly, being an audio podcast, I can't show the cool picture I found of uh Nico, Steve Harris. Bruce and Michael Kiske of Halloween uh, in the 80s at Rod Smallwood's wedding, who was, and here's the overlap, manager of both bands at the time. Yeah. And that's that's overlap. That's where Byron Main comes in with Halloween was Rod Smallwood. And I tell you, this picture is hilarious. The, the three, well, Nico and, and Steve have normal smiles. Bruce Dickinson has a weird looking grin and a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not sure I've seen this picture, but I can I can I'm pretty sure I know what the look on Bruce's face is. <laughs> I'll uh I'll I'll send it to you here in a little bit. I'll take a picture. Okay. And then uh, you know, they're all holding drinks, but there's Michael Kiske who's double fisting it with looks like champagne and maybe a Guinness, and uh, he's got the more German dour look upon his face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually titled this Rod Smallwood, Halloween, and Iron Maiden, Um, although my notes will be mostly Halloween, and I'm sure Jody will be able to to jump in and hang out and talk about Maiden. I might be. might be able to. (laughs) It's more of a matter of trying to keep it honed in. (laughs) (laughs) But to start, Rod Smallwood does have a credit on Halloween's Live in the UK album, which was on both EMI and Noise, and because I always do it, reached number four on the Finnish charts, number 26 in the UK, and number 123 in the US. Okay. And we did briefly discuss it in the Halloween episode we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Halloween was doing pretty well, and they wanted to go to a bigger label in the Uh 80s. Because they're they're getting quite successful with their their keeper things and everything, and yeah, go listen to that episode if you want. Uh, and that label was EMI Records and the Sanctuary Group Management, which was headed by Rod Smallwood, that helped bring the rise of Iron Maiden. Yeah, uh, Halloween signed with EMI, but Noise Records filed suit that the band had broken their contract with them, and therefore Halloween could not release anything outside of Germany, the UK. Or Japan, unless left many fans, especially in America, what wondering what happened to, to Halloween, which which we discussed, and I didn't actually know part of this had to do with the court case. Damn court cases. 
Yeah, I think I blamed it on a shitty American music press. <laughs> well, you're probably not wrong there either. Yeah, it can be more than one thing. <laughs> it can be two things. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, Marcus, Kai, and, and Wika, uh, all names you should be familiar with if you listen to that episode, said the reason uh-huh. they broke their contract was because everyone but the band was making any money. The band was also sued by Noise Records, supposedly for breaching its contract the premature departure from the Berlin-based label, which is kind of repetitive, although that was the same paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they had big problems with noise. The thing is that Wiki didn't even want them there in the first place. He said it's a funny situation that many musicians have that they actually contacted him. It's not that Wiki was asking for a deal. It's that they're actually take, talking to a friend of his for doing a lot of things for him. And this friend's name is Sebastian Vollmer. And while they were contacting Volmer, that they would be very interested. And, man, I should have cleaned these up. I tell you, when Wiki tells a story, it is not a train of thought so much as a shotgun of ward snippets. But but he had bad memories of noise. And uh, not really one person that was on the labels there now. And they're all completely new people. And. And the guy who used to own this company had nothing to do with it. And nowadays, Rod Smallwood from Sanctuary Music used to be their manager and he owned the label. So in the end, it's just a name that remains. So Wiki said it's okay and talked to them. And he liked them so much on a personal level, he said it's okay to make a deal. So what happened was they wanted to get out of noise and they talked to somebody who talked to somebody who knew Rod at um, management of Sanctuary Music. And uh, yeah, let's let's talk. Okay. Noise was a... Uh... They were big with the new new wave of British heavy metal because um, I know uh, Venom was on Noise Records. Mm, Venom, mm, proto black metal. Ooh. Yeah, I know we've talked about them too. We have, although they are based out of Germany. Okay. So, you know, there there is that. But yeah, uh started in nineteen eighty-three and stuff and still still going, but they've kind of, you know, parent companies changed, but that's not a big deal. Yeah. Although I interestingly enough, because I, I believe I, noise was big in the I, I think Venom was on noise. I'll I'll double check it. Well, Sorry, as I'm ahead. looking at this, I quickly looked it up and it said Noise Records most successful band was Halloween. So maybe, yeah, I'm I'm sure they had others. I mean, who'd you say? Uh Venom. Venom, 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 Venom. Uh no, not on the noise recording artists. I don't see Venom on here. Okay. I see Warrant. Oh, That's uh, the German Warrant. Haha. <laughs> yeah. Bathory. Celtic Frost. There's Bathory Wasp is on there. Yeah. Yeah, then Hellhammer. We've we've talked about them. Yeah. All right, what was? Yeah, I'm confusing noise with uh, one of the British labels. Well, you know, easy to do. Now I got to look it up. <laughs> but, but go ahead. You do I, that. I may or may um, not say who it was, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so I, well, I was doing some research for this. So I couldn't really find much. Actually, the reason I kind of knew about this, I'm not sure I knew this. Uh, but my friend Jeff, who is yep. a 
long time, long time listener, no time caller. Cause we haven't done that show yet. Uh, <laughs> um, but Hey Jeff, uh, he actually had posted something about it or maybe replied to one of my posts about Halloween or something. And I'm like, huh? And yeah. Yeah. Hot damn. Here we are. So thanks Jeff. Uh, but in the research, I found very little, but I did find a few people who talked about it and I don't actually think I put this dude's name down, but it's just somebody talking about Halloween and Smallwood and, and noise and, and everything. And he writes me as a kraut because he's German. And yes. that's him writing it, not me. Uh, me as a kraut who has seen Halloween in 1986 first time live thinks it was a fight between noise records owner Carl Uwe Watersbach, which is Halloween's old record label, and EMI Rod Smallwood, the new one, that killed Halloween's career. In my honest opinion, the record was done by the band that worse to get rid of the business issues and then record the real record, which was never done. And of course, that record was uh shit, they'd had two after their keepers. Uh, I do believe it was Pink Bubbles Go Ape was the one that was completely weird, insane. And you think I'd remember that much, much quicker because I love Halloween, but I don't like that album. And uh, yeah, yep. It was Pink Bubbles Go Ape, which was released in 1991. So it it sounds like they were kind of like, if we're not going to get out of this contract, we're just going to fucking do whatever. Yeah, they kind of, well, is a combination because when we did the other episode, uh, Kiske actually wanted to do something a bit different. He wanted to be more, you know, do a little more pop stuff and the other band members really didn't want to. And it's why the album's not cohesive and why, you know, they soon broke up afterwards. Um, so yeah, you know, it's a kind of, kind of, I mean, they, they did have chameleon then also after peak bubbles, but then mm -hmm. that that's, you know, the time where Michael left after that. And so it seems like a combination of, uh, some some legal stuff and band wanting to go in different directions within them. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, other than that, I have the combinations of the albums that crossed over between Noise and EMI and stuff. And uh, it goes from Noise Records with the Walls of Jericho and well, actually, they had the Halloween EP in 1985. First actual album was Walls of Jericho in 1985, and went through live in the UK in 1989 for four albums altogether. the The EP, then three albums and a live album, uh, which EMI had part of live in the UK, and then EMI did Pink Bubbles Go Ape in '91 and Chameleon in 1993 for two albums, but then that all fell apart, and then that's where uh, Andy Darris comes in with uh, their label Raw Power and Castle with Master of the Rings in 1994. And I won't go further because that's where it went from noise, to EMI with Rod Smallwood, and then moved on after that. Okay. I know, um, I know Castle was a British label. Because I know they, at one point, I don't think Maiden was signed to them, but I know they released uh maiden's back catalog because they, they actually did a neat thing where they um they put out the cds of all of maiden's back 
catalog and put a second CD in each one with all the B-sides that went with that album, all the, the B-sides from the singles. Nice. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Uh, do you want to mention, kind of goes out of order, but that's how I have them in my notes, that I found that Smallwood was a director of the British Halloween Limited Group that helped them tour in the UK from 2007 to 2023. So even though he wasn't their management group, they he was a part of the, the business group that helped him tour Britain. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yep. And I've got a quote from Michael Kiske and his quotes in 2012. And he says, I was managed by Rod Smallwood for a long time, which is a guy I really like. The reason that we didn't work together anymore was not because of personal things or whatever, but because he just didn't know how to handle me. I wasn't managed by them from 1998 onwards or something like that. And from that end, it was very true. I was not managed. And then that thing of making a real band again came up. Again, 98 would have been uh, as, well, a few years after Chameleon. And and I know at the time, Kisuke was jumping in and out of bands, like just doing guest spots and helping out. And yeah, kind of a having a, an eclectic career. That was cool. Yeah, I, I know um, I know Rod's managed a lot of other bands over the years. Um, uh, Wasp, uh, the American band Wasp, um, who I did see on the list of noise records also. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at, I, Rod's focus has always been made. Well, you know, yeah, probably he, as it should be. Know, yeah, he's even though he's had these other bands, um, he he has always, I think, you know, maintained his focus with Maiden. Because uh, I know Sanctuary Records was uh, that was one that was started by Rod, uh, of course, named after the Iron Maiden song. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if Rod is still running that or if he's actually. I think he sold that off. What a new. Did you have more on that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Next little thing. Halloween themselves became highly popular among metal fans. Keeper of the Seven Keys sold 20,000 copies in the UK on import. And Halloween, Halloween signed on Iron Maiden's management, which was Rod Smallwood. At which time they sold out Hammersmith Odeon after an appearance after an appearance at Monsters of Rock in 1988 at Castle Donington, opening a bill that saw Megadeth, David Lee Roth, Kiss, and Iron Maiden. Yeah, their follow-up, Keeper of the Seven Keys Part Two, which they'd originally intended to release as a double album, as we've mentioned before, hit the UK top 30, and the single Doctor Steen reached the lofty heights of 57. They even planned to float 7,777 balloons over the Berlin Wall into East Germany, all carrying cassettes with extracts of the LP, a stunt that was thwarted by the authorities. Uh-huh. Respect my authority. <laughs> and otherwise, uh, the only... I, I do have one more overlap of Maiden with halloween uh but nothing really with smallwood so i didn't know if you had 
or if you want me to give this and then you can talk or if you have something to mention first uh, no no go ahead okay after the release of balls to picasso bruce dickinson went on tour with a band that he wanted to be known as skunk works yes which was himself guitarist alex dixon bassist chris dale and drummer alessandro alana and in short order, the singer and the guitarist started writing the songs that were recorded for the Skunk Works 1996 album. The most alternative and possibly the most artistically ambitious of all Bruce Dickinson records from what I found written. And before I move on, would you like to uh, refute that or say, yeah, yeah, it was pretty ambitious and alternative? It was certainly alternative. All right, then. I have that album, and I think I have listened to it a total of four times. That's not much for you with any Maiden thing. No. But you it's, don't like alternative um, music. It, it, you know, I, well, I, I mean, I really, because I'm not big into alternative rock, I can't say how it stands up to other alternative rock bands. But as a Bruce Dickinson album, I don't like it. Well, yeah, and there's that. Yeah. All right, but I would also like to say and interject the most alternative and possibly most artistically ambitious. Ooh, mm -hmm. Duchess. Oh, Mater. <laughs> oh, aren't we alternative? Oh, aren't we artistically ambitious? I, again, I've I've only listened to it, you know, less less than five times. Um, I can't, I can't say that it's, that it is artistically ambitious. I can't say that it's not. <laughs> it may be. Um, I it just, I did not find it as music that fit Bruce's style. Makes sense. All right, but here's the overlap. Okay. However, this was at the point when Dickinson's career stalled a bit in commercial terms. The alternative crowd did not care for his metal credentials, and the metal crowd did not care for his alternative music. <laughs> yeah. So with Skunk Works opening for German power metal band Halloween on tour 1996, uh-huh, you know, well after the Smallwood area, but this is Iron Maiden with Halloween. Uh, the divided world of rock music left Bruce Dickinson disillusioned when it became clear that he and the rest of Skunk Works had very different ideas about where to go from there. He split the band up and considered retiring from music. But he did not. <laughs> you, you, hmm. what did he do after that? Ooh, hmm, whatever he, could it have been? He put out probably his two best solo albums. Which were? Accident of Birth and The Chemical Wedding. And after the Chemical Wedding and the live album Scream For Me Brazil, he rejoined Iron Maiden. Uh, those two solo albums also featured uh, Adrian Smith on guitar, who had been in Iron Maiden in the 80s. And when Bruce rejoined Iron Maiden, Adrian rejoined with him, giving Iron yeah. Maiden three guitarists. Yeah, <laughs> neat. They work it well. They they do, yeah. Hmm, what other band is out there right now that has three guitarists? Huh, 
Could it be Halloween? Oh, I think it might be. Ooh. Could be Leonard Skinner, too. Really? How many of them are originals? None. Uh-huh. <laughs> Halloween has all of them, from original to the newest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was about to say something that would get a lot of hate mail. Uh, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that's it. That's that's what I has. Okay. Well, this will be a short episode. It won't be bad. Um, yeah. Yep. As of my notes. Woo! Yay! So you have nothing else? Not about this. All right, so, I mean, what do you know? Like, Rod Smallwood put a lot of effort into Maiden. I mean, do you consider him a good manager or... Is it as much Iron Maiden's just wonderful uh, abilities that that keep him going, regardless of him? Or, I mean, do you have any thoughts on it? If you don't, that's cool. As you know, I, I don't know anything about him besides what I've said and that he's Maiden's manager. Yeah, um, I I think I think he's helped certainly. I mean, he's he's got a good mind for the business. Um. And I think he was, you know, kind of instrumental for getting Bruce and Adrian back in Maiden. Um, well, that wasn't a bad bad thing at all. No, I I I do think. I I mean he, Maiden owes some of their success to him. I I couldn't give you a percentage on that because I know how driven Steve Harris is. You know, Steve was going to do what Steve did regardless because it was his band and he he did what he wanted, you know. But it was Rod who landed them the record deal because nobody wanted to sign him because the people that, you know, everybody's like, well, we'll sign you, but you got to play punk. And Rod, when he took over, you know, when he became their manager because they didn't have a manager at that point. And when he became their manager, he, he was... You know, he 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 was the guy that went in there and fought for him because all the record people were like, ah, they're just you know, they're just young kids, and you know they'll they'll do what we tell them. And Maiden, you know, Steve wasn't going to compromise, and Rod <laughs> was the guy that went in and fought for him. Cool. Well, that's a shame then that Noise and EMI had a an argument and a court case because he could have maybe done wonders for Halloween and kept him on the radar. He could he could have yeah yeah. You know, I, I when he, it, it seemed like when he had time to focus on other things besides Maiden, you know, Wasp did very well the first few years. And I think part of that was being part of, uh, I, shit, I don't remember what the management company's called. Um, it, that may be Sanctuary, actually. <laughs> That may be where they got the name for Sanctuary Records too, outside of the Iron Maiden song. Um, but I, I know Wasp was Wasp did very well early on when when Rod was their manager. And I'm not uh, outside of the Maiden and Wasp and Halloween. I'm not. I'm trying to remember who else he managed. Yeah, not a big deal. Those are the big two we need to talk about anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. Besides, if I let you keep going, you're going to talk for another 30 minutes. I might. 
and I wants did to you, keep it short. <laughs> did you say cool or ghoul? Well, I meant to say cool, but my sore throat could have said something else, but I'm too ghoul for school. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> Team effort. Woo! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking philologists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can let y'all go because I actually forget what day of the week this will come out. Um, let's see. First, 8, 15, 20, 29th. Okay. So hopefully you all have a good New Year's even new year's and an end of year and whatever yuletide while sailing thing you're going to be doing at this time of year yeah yep as you listen to it about a week ago i would have done my midwinter walk and pushed the earth back towards the warmth uh-huh just mentioning that because i'm not doing an episode on it this year oh you don't care <laughs> Life, th thanks, thanks for the support there. I appreciate it, but I know you're full of shit. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, oh no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, rate us, write us, review us, share us, talk about us. Uh, yeah. Have you anything you'd like to add at the end of the year? No. Perfect. Happy New Year. Yeah. Woo. Two days. <laughs> all right on that note i'm james i'm jody and we'll talk to you next year bye the macabre manor is brought to you by the twin terrors all rights reserved stay tuned for some fun outtakes i i feel like we need to put in the in the um in the outtakes how embarrassed i am that i got neat records and noise records confused it's easy enough. <laughs> I just feel a need to tell the listeners about my hack for um, if you don't, if you make bacon and you don't want to throw out the grease and you don't want to deal with it later. And what is that hack? You hack? Use it to make scrambled eggs. Or toast. Oh, it actually soaks it up. Yeah, because fried eggs don't do that. <laughs> no, no, fried eggs don't. But scrambled eggs do. An omelet probably would too. Send us beer money. I was about to say send us nudes, but put the Polaroid up, Rob. <laughs>